On this episode of the Auto Windbags, we come in a day early because it's Thanksgiving and we'd like to give and we're coming in one day early. We asked what the uh, best Thanksgiving Day food is, how the Raiders versus Broncos prove that Derek Carr owns this Raiders locker room. Melvin Gordon's fumble is hilarious. Derek Carr's trade value is brought up and Raiders brand sensitivity caused a lot of you know, conflict between me and Soto. And we love when you subscribe, rate, and comment on whatever platform you're listening on. All right, here we go. I got a dream of winning a Super Bowl. I got a dream of being in a Pro Bowl. I'm really not into dreams anymore, okay? I'm into the nightmares. There it is! Caught! Touchdown! Raiders! You're listening to the Autumn Windbags, an audio attack from the Silver and Black. Here are your windbags, R.J. Clifford and Juan Soto. That is an episode of the Autumn Windbags. R.J. Clifford, Juan Soto. Let's have some fun today. Victory week. Sweeping the Broncos. Coming in a day early. We're recording this Tuesday night, airing it Wednesday, a day earlier than normal. We'd like to spread it out, right? Because there'd be a Sunday or Monday game. Then we do a show halfway through. But it is Thanksgiving week, and so we wanted to make sure you guys had the pod before Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, you know, Thanksgiving rolls around. You're with the family. You're watching football. You're getting a good buzz. A lot of football, we, yeah, yeah. You know, we're gonna be we're gonna be overachievers, Soto, and uh, and coming a day early. Yeah, we like to uh, switch it up a little bit. You know, it's like it's not just you know putting the leg on a on the leg and feeling around for the boob and you know just kind of like nudging a little bit. It's like sometimes you want to just. Wake her Robin up by the with throat. Your, wake her up with, down. Your, with your face in between her butt cheeks. You know what I'm saying? Way. Yeah. The most apt description I can des- I can actually describe of being doing a podcast a day early. You said yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You always have a way of telling us telling us tale with your words. Uh, so on that note, question of the day, and we'll put it down in the comment section pinned. Let us know. Real simple one. Best Thanksgiving Day food. Real simple question. Now, Thanksgiving is a unique holiday because it involves a lot of foods you really don't eat throughout the year. Like how mm-hmm. often do you eat like a baked turkey? How often do you have stuffing? How often do you have cranberry sauce? Like I don't know a lot of families that do it all that often. And so it's like a weird kind of like unique lineup that's just kind of reserved for one day. And I – and. I've heard the I've I've heard the calls of Thanksgiving Day food sucks, which is why we only eat it once a year. I say nay. I say it's the type of food that requires a lot of TLC to get it just right. And that's why it's reserved for the most gluttonous day of the Christian calendar. Yeah, I love Thanksgiving food. Like mm-hmm. If I wanted to cheat, I'd say my th- my favorite Thanksgiving Day food is the leftover sandwich. Mm. Uh, but I actually make little sliders out of the dinner rolls, you know? Yep. I make little sliders the night of because everything's fresh. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm going to be a little bit, you know, partial here. Yep. I make a damn good jalapeno bacon mac and cheese. And uh, it's a hit. Okay. That's, That's a toot your own favorites. horn, but beep, beep. It's pretty fucking good. I haven't got any complaints. Uh, but yeah, that's 
probably like it's the traditional Thanksgiving food. I, I like my mom makes really good stuffing mm-hmm. that I really like. Uh, that's probably one of my favorite things I would say. In general, I I would probably go stuffing just because you you never ha- like stuffing never exists the rest of the year and it's delicious. It's just carbs. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the old lady's family they put sausage in it. Yeah, right. And you're dumping the gravy on I've it. Had it. Like, I've had it. We've yeah, we've, had, like we've, we've shared a Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, been there, right? It's good. It's good. Um, I've had my mac and cheese that that that, that yeah. day. I think yeah, damn good. You last year when we were watching the Raiders and the Cowboys play one of the craziest Thanksgiving Day games ever. And uh, kept us in the playoff hunt. Oh yeah, Derek Carr like 440 yards, like it's insane. Um, but uniquely to me, the deep fried turkey that I made. Oh yeah, oh it was good. It's hard to beat. It's really you know hard what? To as, as as dumb as your ass is, sometimes I'm surprised you have not burned down your whole entire house. You've done it a few times. That's why I do the deep frying out in the yard, nowhere near anything flammable. Worst I mean, case there's a, scenario, there's a tree there. Yeah, it'll burn. It'll well, you know, it's it's a healthy tree. The tree can handle a little little flame and grease. You know, it's Not a lot of deal. flame, a lot of. You see those people that drop in the, the frozen ones, and it's just fucking boom. Oh! Seriously, it, like, you need to be taught how to how to deep fry a turkey one time, and you'll never burn anything never ever it. again. It's yeah. that simple. It's like you measure it the oil out ahead of time, right? So you with water, turkey and frozen. Fill it in with water. See where the level is. Take the turkey out. Mark it. Mark it. Don't eyeball it. Then do the oil. Make sure the turkey is fully thawed. That's 99% of the problem. Dry it off, right? Pat it down. Make sure it's nice and dry. That's 99% of it. Then after that, it's just make sure the dog doesn't knock the deep fryer over. Make sure the hook is on right. When you freaking lower it. Don't be too drunk when you do it, you know? Uh, You were mighty drunk. Which is is hard. And even my drunk ass hasn't had one accident deep frying the turkey. I'll, I'll, uh, I'm also with you on the, uh, the post Thanksgiving day sandwiches. Oh God. I remember being, I remember being a kid because when, when I, I don't know how you were, but when I was a kid, we had to make our own lunches from like first grade until we were off to college, right? We had to make our own lunches. And so my lazy ass was like peanut butter sandwich, carrot sticks, pretzels. That was every single lunch I ever had from like first grade, like through high school, except after Thanksgiving. When we just had leftovers on leftovers, and I'm putting the turkey on there. I'd mixed mashed potatoes in there. I tried to shove some stuffing. I remember one time I had so I had a sandwich so stuffed, I invented the sandwich burrito. Or my sandwich was so stuffed, I couldn't keep it together. I wrapped it in a tortilla. I basically invented the chalupa, but as oh, a yeah. Thanksgiving Day sandwich, just to hold it all together. Yeah, it's even more important than the sandwich itself. Is like the combination like the order the, the mashed potatoes on the bottom puts keeps the corn in place mm-hmm. and then you put the turkey and then uh if you want cranberry sauce you put the cranberry sauce on there then you put the stuffing on top and then you put the other piece of bread i'd also say um thanksgiving is the most underrated holiday out of all the holidays because think about it like you're guaranteed four days off work. Mm-hmm. And if you're a you or me, like a male, like in you know late 30s, early 40s, you have zero responsibility of any kind. You're not really... In Christmas, you have to shop for presents. You have to shop for the kids. You got to like all these family responsibilities. Thanksgiving, you and I are barely cooking, if anything. We don't have to buy any presents. You don't have to travel too far. 
right? You kind of just, you kind of do local yeah, and you yeah. get four full days off of work. It's, it's the underrated best American holiday. And there is a shit ton of football on so much football. Like if, if, if you hate football, you're shit out of luck on, on yeah. like a Thanksgiving. Like what do you else get to watch? Let me go watch the world cup this year, but. Some basketball oh. here and there. There's, yeah, there's a little basketball. It's just great view. Yeah, you're just you're you're getting drunk. You're eating and watching football. If you're a man on Thanksgiving, that's what you that. should do. What's your uh, What's your strategy at at the plate? Are you a um, Are you a knife and fork? Are you like a fork roll? Because I I've learned over the years that the fork tortilla is the way to go. Where you just you gravy. So my first plate is no greens. I'll do a cool down plate. So first plate, turkey, ham, mashed potatoes, uh, stuffing. Mm-hmm. If there's a unique um, jalapeno carb <laughs> mac, mac and cheese item that sometimes pops up, that's in there too. And then it's gravy on everything. Mm-hmm. Every square inch, right-hand fork, left-hand tortilla, and then it's just scoop, bite, scoop, bite. Mm-hmm. Second plate, I do a cool down plate, which is crucial. You go a vegetable plate. Some salads, you know, most places have like a green bean or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. You do the cool down plate, which is both literal and metaphorical. It's cooler, right? It's a, it's a raw, cool plate. And also it's just like a light vegetable to kind of, you know how like the earth, the crust, like the rocks have certain layers and that's mm-hmm. how it all, if it's all one rock, it's not stable. But mm-hmm. if you mix up the rocks, it's stable. So you go big, meaty gravy plate greens cool down plate followed up with whatever you want seconds of after that mm-hmm. and that's that's the strategy to keep like your gut healthy and also you got to make sure by the time you get to plate one you have whatever buzz you want to have for that day because you're going to eat so much that you're not going to be able to like to build up a buzz because you're just going to be stuck yeah it's carbs too carved up you're too carved up yeah i want to hear my strategy my strategy is Big plate full of everything. Okay. Smaller. Hey, fool. I'm going to cook your ass. I was going to say, rotisserie cat this year? Yeah, rotisserie cat. Messing with you? Dude. Bajate. He speaks Spanish. Um, then the second plate is like a smaller version of the first plate. Okay. And then it, then it's the dessert round, mm-hmm. which is a, like one of everything. If we have, if there's six different kinds of pies, I'm gonna have six fucking slices of fucking pie. All right. Yeah. You're not gonna be. You're not gonna insult the pie. C- cool whip on everything. Yeah. Then, about an hour after, I will have a third smaller plate with everything. Okay. And then I will pass out and probably shit my pants. So you don't diversify your portfolio. You're just like everything, and it's just whatever the gut can handle as the day progresses. Oh, it's not about the gut handling it. It's I'm gonna fucking make that happen. If yeah. I'm still full, I'm still gonna fucking make at least a couple of sliders. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I also love the um multicultural Thanksgivings. So when I was in San Francisco, all my like half my buddies were Filipino. And so I went to a couple Filipino Thanksgivings and it was great because they had the turkey, the stuffing, the mashed potatoes, the regular stuff, and then it was like lumpia egg rolls this like whatever that little pork like juicy yeah, pork, yeah, yeah, like yeah. stew thing they make like like that's the shit because you're like Have all you right had... hitting the staples and then heavy with something uh, a little different right throw me some throw me some curveballs to mix into my 
Because, you know, I have a strategy I want to stick to, but I'm willing to be flexible if you give me a good reason. Yeah, I, I, that's the first time I was at a buddy's house was Filipino. And they had this, like, eggplant thing mm-hmm. that was, like, sliced open. And then they baked it, but it had, like, ground beef, seasoned ground beef in it. Mm. It was fucking delicious. Yeah. I love how, like, American food is designed to make you not remember what animal died to eat it. You know? Yeah, right. Like, Chicken nuggets look nothing like chicken nuggets. Like burgers look nothing like cows. But Filipino food is just like, all right, here's the head of a pig. We're gonna eat. We're gonna. We're gonna eat it now. Here's a here's a half developed embryo of an egg that looks like a chick inside well, of it. Yeah, let's just. We're gonna, we're gonna boil that and eat it. It's like Filipino food's like we're gonna tell you exactly which soul died for you to have sustenance today. I'm gonna throw okay. Yeah, I was curious. All right, that was a very, very long question of the day because you get us talking about food and we start carrying on. Best Thanksgiving Day food? Leave it down in the comment section. Also very curious on uh, how you people tackle your Thanksgiving Day. Uh, all right. Victory week. After sweeping the Denver Broncos for not once, not twice, but thrice seasons in a row. Beautiful way to do it. Uh, did you see the video that the Raiders.com put out of the locker room celebration? I did. You did. I did, and I was brought a tear to my eye. I was pleas- I was pleasantly surprised at the just at the joy and the like just like the little boy enthusiasm, yeah. right? With when when uh, Josh McDaniel said it was victory week, uh, it was. I don't. I don't think he's lost. I don't his care team. how old you are. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how much money you make. When you get when you get time off work that you earned, you are doing backflips. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. And you know what? I don't. I don't see a team that's tuned out their head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I see a team that maybe hasn't been used to accountability as much. Mm-hmm. That's hasn't been used to maybe tougher coaching. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, taking uh, Josh McDaniels off the hook. He still needs to be able to be that iron fist in the velvet glove. Like he needs to be able to better uh, deliver messages. Do some uh, iron fisting, if you will. Yeah, with some velvet gloving. But uh, yeah, it's he hasn't lost his locker room. So uh, that was the end of like that video. It was like a, a minute twenty video. Um, the the middle part of the video was what struck me. Take a look. You really that boy? No, you that boy. You that. You that boy. boy. You that boy. <laughs> so that room did not fully celebrate until Derek Carr was there. Once he got in there, for those who didn't see on the podcast, they all swarmed him jumped around him and started chanting DC. Now he had a really good game, but I wouldn't say he was even the MVP of the game. We did a, I did a poll on, right here on YouTube. It was like, all right, who do you think is the MVP 
of the win over the Raiders. And I put Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, Max Crosby, Derek Carr, and other. Could have potentially even put Daniel Carlson on there. He had a 57-yarder, right? And uh, and Carr got like third. He got like 12% of the vote. Wasn't, you know, he played really well and big part of the reason why we won. But Max Crosby was number one, Devontae Adams number two. But they really wouldn't start celebrating. They really like they were happy, they were high-fiving, but the party didn't start until Derek Carr was in that locker room. And that's a big part of just being a quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But another big part of it is we we hear all the time from beat reporters, from the players themselves, Carr is the hardest worker in that building, right? First guy there, last guy out, trying to help everybody. He is the he is the the unequivocal leader of that room. And even I didn't expect that. Even I didn't think like, like if I'm Max Crosby and Josh Jacobs are like, look at us, bro. Denzel Perryman and Devontae Adams were in that clip. And you saw Perryman fucking blast Melvin Gordon one time. Devontae Adams, two touchdowns, like looked great. You'd think like those two guys would be like, dude, let's jerk each other off. Like we're awesome, right? It was just like, what up? What up? What up? We're happy. What up? Where's Derek? Where's DC? And then that's when the party started. So that was my biggest takeaway from this is that, well, my second biggest takeaway, the first, first takeaway is watching just like the youthful joy of a locker room of a season that to you and I feels like it's lost. Now it's just like, all right, let's just learn each other better. Let's figure out who's going to stick around for next year. Let's learn the system. Let's try to get accustomed to these new coaches. Like that's kind of how we're feeling it. The locker room doesn't feel that way. That locker room is still, we are a football team with one goal, and that's to win every single game we go out there. So that's number one. Number two was, I, I did not expect that level of cohesion exclusively around exclusively around QB1. Yeah, the, I, I wasn't as surprised with the reaction to Derek Carr coming in as I was to the reaction that Joshua Daniels got because Carr has been there for years Mm -hmm. and he's the unquestioned leader of the team and he gets respect from his teammates that's something that i never doubted um he played a really really good game and um that's what we need and and fairly unfairly when the court when the team wins the quarterback gets you know a lion's share of the credit and when they lose he gets a lion's share of the blame um the, the issue that we, we see with him is his consistency. And he's had, you know, about three stinkers, uh, maybe four this season. Maybe that he's got them all of his system and we got smooth sailing from here on out. I'm wondering too. So I, I have been giving credit for last year's late surge to Rich Bisaccia. I felt like, okay. I think this team just kind of loved their, like this team loved their interim coach. The coach loved them back. They went through so much shit together and that's how they were able to win back to back to back to back games over teams more talented. I was like, okay, Pisaccia led them through this. And that's co- partly why too, I've been extra hard on Josh McDaniels because the team's playing so worse this season. What's the big change coach, right? This made me kind of think maybe Carr was the leader through the, that last run more than we gave him credit for. And his play was not great. Like he didn't play fantastic. It was poor. His play was poor. He, was, it was, it was probably he, to he be flashed. fair, to be fair, he probably one of his worst four games stretch of the season. 
he uh, he he showed up in flashes randomly when he had to, but it wasn't you know nowhere near like his the opening four games of the season, right? When it was like no. he couldn't win unless he played amazing, right? Multiple turnovers but, every game, a lot like, of turnovers, right? Tough. He was still he was still turnover car last season, all last yeah, season. It was tough. It was tough. Um, but now I'm starting to think, huh? Maybe maybe Carr was the catalyst. Maybe the team rallied around Carr more than I, more than maybe any of us really recognized. I mean, it's possible. I mean, he's he's definitely like I said, he's the leader of the team, and mm-hmm. he's not going to pull stupid shit like freaking Zach Wilson and you know, just being an entitled spoiled brat. Yeah. He's going to go out there and he's going to take his lumps and he's going to take more than his share of blame, and he's not going to call people out individually uh, in public, and he's going to keep the locker room sacred. And uh, I wouldn't doubt it if it was him. Um, and, and I even said it like when when people are oh yeah, Derek Carr led him to the playoffs like well I mean yeah his leadership maybe his play not so much but his leadership sure I, I definitely agree with that and I was also curious how they respond to um you know it's 2022 and grown men crying doesn't have the same stigma that it has even like 10 years ago let alone 20 mm-hmm. um so I was like all right are they gonna follow a dude who like cries at the podium after after a loss. The answer is fuck yes. <laughs> like that that didn't affect how the team viewed him at all, apparently. You know what? People let out emotions in different ways. And I'm sure that there was a lot more emotion than that being shown in the locker room. Yeah. Especially, I mean, if people were being called out like we heard they were. That's a great uh, point. That was just the know, public crying. God only knows what they were doing to, you know, how they were being emotional when the doors were closed. You know, you got a guy goes out after his best friend on the team who was the head coach gets fired. And then one of the guys he's trying to bring along and put his arm around and and mentor gets cut for killing somebody drunk driving. Uh, Yeah. And he shows that brave face to the public. And then you see that same guy trying to get it together to go out for his press conference. You're like, man, this guy's really committed. And that that has never has never been something that I have questioned about Derek Carr is his commitment to the team or his commitment to keeping what he feels is the right locker room etiquette. I'm not saying he's right or wrong, but what he feels his locker room et- etiquette is, keeping that and upholding that, uh, and being a leader on the team. That's that's never been anything that I've questioned. There's really nothing that can bring down like if you're the hardest worker on the team right if you're if you're the like, you put in more work than everyone else right um it's almost impossible to come down on someone who's doing that who says we need to work harder when you're the hardest worker like john john like um it was one of the best things john gruden said when he was doing we talked about it on the show multiple times we did like a coaching combine and we played some audio from it one of them was he was talking about how the best player on your team has to be the hardest worker. Got to be. Because he sets the precedent for everyone else. They can't think, they can't look at, you know, Antonio Brown, who's a fuck up, but he's the all-star. Like, you can't have that be the example. You can't have that in these 22-year-old rookies' minds that, oh, that's how superstars behave. It's, no, the hardest workers are the best players. And... Well, the the reason for that is everybody that's made it to the NFL is an alpha male and they all think they're the best player. They just haven't had the shot yet. Mm -hmm. So if you see 
someone who people feel is your best player on your team not giving it their all and fucking up. Oh, well, I'm as good as he is. I just haven't had my shot yet, so I can yeah. fuck up too. When you see everybody working hard and the best players working, the hardest workers, then that puts everyone else in line. And that, and that also gives you the power to call people out, right? Yeah. Like, if I'm here three hours before you, Soto, I can say, Soto, get your shit together. I can say that because I'm doing it, right? If, you know, if, if I leave two hours before you do, you can text me as I'm driving off. Hey, you piece of shit. Like, we're working to win here. Yeah. Where are you? Like, you have that, you have that equity, I guess, in the locker room, right? And that's what Jared Carter brings. There was, there was an old um, hard knocks season. I think it was the Texans. And um, did, did Vince Wilfork play for the Texans? Yep. Okay, so it was because Vince Wilfork was was uh, yelling at a young defensive player. Right. I saying, think it was the uh, the year they did the hard knocks. I remember they had him in his in the backyard, and he was playing basketball with like his ten year old, and he had the overalls with one overalls strap, with, the, with no with shirt, the, with, with no shirt, and the cowboy and he's just trying. like crushing this like little kid, all three hundred and thirty pounds of him. Anyway, sorry to just distract you, but that's what I remembered. It was so hilarious. No, but basically, what he was saying to the defensive guy was like, because he had to cut his um, weight session short, and he's like, "Why are you mm-hmm. Why are you cutting anything short?" Like why 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 are you having to cut anything short? You need to be here with enough time to get your weightlifting in, to get your your own personal private film study in, to get your group film study in, and to get your PT done. So that's on you. You shouldn't have to cut anything short. And he was like, and this guy was like head down and shit. And he's like, you're like, why why are you here? Like, why are you here? What else do you got to do that's more important than being here? Like you shouldn't be cutting anything short. Like if you got a, a PT appointment, guess what? You need to get here way early to make sure you get everything done. So Melvin Gordon got released from the Broncos. Fumbling, bumbling, stumbling. Because he likes to fumble every other time he touches the ball. Although I will say, like, how satisfying is it that Max Crosby probably single-handedly is the reason why he got cut? This week, like he might have been cut eventually when you're that big of a fumbler, right? There's so many running backs, but is there? I mean, Max Crosby had a hell of a day on Sunday two sacks, blocked a block field goal, but then to not only cause a punt or a cause a cause a fumble, cause it, wasn't a release. Even, it wasn't even re, it was even recovered by the Raiders, like it was still recovered by the by Denver, but just like uppercutted that ball, mm-hmm. fumbled it, and then. The next day he gets cut. Like that's that's as that's a scalp on your wall that few players have to be like, yeah, I single-handedly got that player cut with my play. Yeah, man. It I think he he fumbled what three times against us this year? Something like that. I mean, he only lost one, but he fumbled three times against us this year. And I don't know, man. I, was he that big of a fumbler in, 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 in with with the Chargers? Always been a big fumbler. Oh my god! This is a, it just seems like it's a lot worse now. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, you know what? Fuck him. <laughs> uh, I just, I just, I just love knowing that Max Crosby ended a career of a Bronco, which is beautiful. 
But in, um, in a nice way. He didn't hurt him. Yeah, yeah, like well, like well within the boundaries of proper play. You know he hurt I mean? his feelings, maybe. Yeah. Um, file this under mother of God. I hope it is true, but I don't think it is. According to Drake Jordan, never heard of him on Twitter. Breaking. Multiple sources indicate that after last night's overtime loss to the Raiders, former Broncos running back Melvin Gordon loudly played several songs by hip-hop artist Future in the Broncos locker room. Quarterback Russell Wilson reportedly demanded his immediate release that same night. For context, Future is the ex-fiance of Russell Wilson's wife, Ciara, who recently filed a $15 million lawsuit against the hip-hop artist. Since Wilson joined the Broncos this spring, the team had banned Future from all locker room playlists. Now, this is so TMZ-y and outlandish and petty. I want to lean on the rational part of my brain that says this can't be true. But the NFL can be so TMZ-y and petty. This could very well be true. And God, I hope it is. Yeah, uh, you hooked me on that one. I think I'm <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna believe it until until I am told directly otherwise. Guilty until proven innocent. We're going oh, back. I believe it. I believe it until <laughs> Russ Wilson, Sierra, or uh, Melvin Gordon tell me otherwise. Mm-hmm. It to my face. Um, dude. Speaking of Russell Wilson, you know what his dead cap hit is next season. It's got to be like forty yes. million. His his dead cap oh, hit. Dead cap hit. So if you cut him, right? The the dead cap hit. Dead cap hit. So oh, it's the whole know. contract. Dead cap hit. The whole contract. He had he had all guaranteed, almost all guaranteed money. Oh my god! Five year deal. Dead cap hit. A hundred and twenty million dollars he ain't going nowhere he's sticking around for at least three more seasons. look i get it like the walton zone the broncos right walmart 120 million dollars is like 45 minutes of profit right for the walmart empire so it's not like the actual money screws them but that's like the cap almost half the cap like you can't build a team with that Dude, I don't know who the fuck Russell Wilson had a sex tape on to get this fucking deal done, but goddamn, I'm not hating on the dude. He's getting on his money, but oof, that's fucking oof. To have the worst offense in the league, oof. And you can't even tank because you don't have any picks. You gave him all the Seattle for yeah. Russell Wilson that you got a hundred twenty million dollar dead cap hit on. Yeah, Seattle. <laughs> Seattle made out, dude. Seattle Hell made out yeah, like a fucking did. bandit. Right? Oh yeah, they did. They might get a like a second or a third rounder next, like or a second or third overall with the Broncos. The yeah, Broncos man, are at, at least the second worst team in football, right? Did they did they play the Texans yet? They're third. No, they haven't played the Texans yet. That's tough. That, that's that's, that's that's rough business right there. How long does Nathaniel Hackett last in Denver? He's done after this season. year. No, I, I I doubt he makes it. He already gave up play calling. Yeah. What what job does he have now? Like he gave up play calling, didn't even give it to the offensive coordinator. He gave it to like the quarterbacks coach. Yeah. He two weeks in, he hired like a game manager, which is basically a babysitter. What job does he have left? What does he do? He holds the clipboard. He holds the clipboard and does the presser. 
Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's all really he does. He organizes the, the he charity executes. 5K. Listen, listen. He talks to the customers. <laughs> so the the uh, engineers don't have the to. Engineers don't have to. They don't. Have, they don't have people skills. What movie is that from? Let us know in the comment section. Uh, it's it's a beautiful time to look into Denver Nation. Like as bad as this season's been for the Raiders, and quite literally the most disappointing season of my Raiders lifetime as far as expectations to what happened. The most disappointing season I can remember. It's good to know that it's only the second most disappointing season in the NFL because the Broncos are even worse. God damn. And they're even and they're even more long-term fucked. Oh, like, yeah. I don't think there's is there a single team more long-term fucked than the Broncos? I can't I mean the Texans owe Deshaun Watson more, but if he still plays like a top five quarterback, then you're not ruined, right? Like you got play out of him at least. Mm. No, they got picks. They got picks for him, right? So, nah, man. Because they owe him so much money, man. And they don't hit. Browns they owe him a really ton of refill, Browns owe Deshaun a ton of money. But again, if he down. plays well. Yeah, but the Browns, the money is just money, dude. Like, these are NFL owners. They have fucking money. It's about mm. the resources, your resources that you have. They well, have, they cap got it. a bunch of picks for Deshaun Watson. Cap it. Yeah. Yeah, man. But the thing is, is Broncos take the cap hit and they don't have picks. At least yep. Browns have picks. They can get young talent. They don't have that. They don't have that way to get the young talent. Well, no, thing, no, the, Brown, the I, Browns I, gave up. Gave up the picks for. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. But that's what I'm saying. If Deshaun still plays like a top five quarterback, then you're like, okay, we're getting, we're getting play out of him, right? I was thinking the opposite. No one's more fucked than Denver. Yeah, that's up. Short term and long term. So let me, let let me run something by you here. I I didn't put on the rundown, so I want to get your honest, rash opinion. Surprise I was, topic. I was listening to a radio show this morning, and they were talking to a former uh, NFL GM uh, who um, went out and got a star quarterback to play on their team who had everything but a quarterback. This star quarterback was released or, or not re-signed because they had a quarterback behind them. Do you know who I'm talking about? So Mike Tannenbaum was uh, the GM for the Jets when they went and got Brett Favre. Okay. Um, and he's saying that this team that the Jets have right now is young and good and just going to get better when they get healthier, when they get their offensive linemen back, their skill positions are good, their defense is really good. Top they're just defense. A quarter, they're just Same a quarterback defense. away. Yeah. And they were talking about players that can potentially go to the Jets if they want to move on because of the whole um, Zach Wilson bullshit that happened, right? Mm-hmm. And Derek Carr's name was one of the ones prominently floated out there as a possible uh, name that could be would be a good fit for that team because he's, you know, not as bad as Zach Wilson. He's not bad. He's like an average, you know, whatever you want to put him. He's in the teens, low teens, whatever, quarterback, uh, they have the cap space because they have a lot of young players. And the only thing is the, the only sticking point was the no trade clause and 
maybe not wanted to play on the East Coast. Uh, but I have my question to you is what kind of haul do you think in this scenario the Raiders would get if they were to convince Derek Carr to be traded to the Jets? So Carr is going to be tied to every team in that situation. Um, the commanders, there's an article ESPN did that commanders are in the same situation. I think, I think what the, I think what they were hypothesizing in the article was a first and a third for Carr. That was, that was the hypotheses for the commanders. Um, Amen. There's a couple moving parts. Does Devontae Adams stay or go or disgruntled or what happens with Devontae Adams, right? Because mm -hmm. he came to Vegas to play with Carr, right? And you're like, oh, here's a whole bait and switch, right? And I think Devontae Adams was probably like, okay, sweet. My quarterback has a no trade clause. So there's no like, all right, they're going to bait me here. They're going to use Derek Carr as bait. And then once I'm here and signed, they're going to bounce him out and get someone else in, right? So I think he probably was thinking that, right? So that's that's a, that's not something that can't be overcome, but it is a it is a moving part there. Um, I don't know. Yeah, for it's almost irrelevant because it's whatever because because you're going to completely limit where Derek Carr can go because he gets to choose because he has a no trade clause, and he's and he's uh, said slash threatened that if he doesn't play there, he'll just retire. Now, I don't know if I hundred percent believe that, but it's, uh, I don't. Part I don't. I don't even one percent believe that. There's, 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 there's part of me that would be like, well, I know, I, I definitely believe that he wouldn't go to a dumpster fire, right? Like he wouldn't be like, all right, I got, you know, if I'm gonna get traded to, you know, the Texans or like some, you know, Broncos or some trash, trash team, you're like, okay, I'd rather retire than play there. The last like, mm -hmm. you know, four or five years of my career, that I, that I do believe. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. First, first and a second. If he if he plays better this season, probably get two firsts. Depending, what did uh, what did the Commanders pay for for Wentz? Wasn't that a two two thirds? Two thirds. Okay. What did uh, the Stafford? What doesn't make sense? It's hard to gauge because they were just basically offloading, swapping Goff's quarterbacks. Yeah. We were paying for Goff's contract, right? So yeah, that yeah. was kind of like. The swap that was that was what you were paying for, not the quarterback itself. Um, Matt Ryan went for one third round pick. Okay, and he's definitely way more shot than Carr is. Uh, yeah, I mean he didn't um, play like it against us, but yeah, he is. It's hard. I can't think of, a, of, a, of an equivalent recently that kind of fits because he doesn't have that kind of that snap crackle pop to his name like a Russell yeah. Wilson did. Mm -hmm. Even though he looks to be in a lot in a lot better shape as He's far better as than all the quarterbacks way. we've mentioned, right? In this yeah. whole discussion, right? Yeah, He's yeah. better than all of them. Well, it's not, not, not the name brand. Not just in play, but also in longevity. I don't mm -hmm. see Carson Wentz being in the league too much longer if he just doesn't get his act right. It's like, dude, there's too many guys that we can get out there that are Jags like you. Just a guy. Mm -hmm. Your Carson Wentz is just a guy, and Wentz is also like a locker room cancer. That's what I mean. He doesn't, he, he doesn't get his shit together, right? It's like, dude, there's too many guys like you to fucking deal with your shit. Yeah. Look, um, it's always a good situation 
when people raise the price for any players that you have. Always good. You always want the perceived high value of your entire roster. Everyone on it. Car more than, you know, quarterback more than anybody. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that was brought up was the fact that Carr is like the anti-Zach Wilson. He is Mr. Accountability, Mr. Hard Work. He fucks your daughter, his teammates. I don't know that. I don't know about that. Please make spreading salacious rumors. Terrible. RJ, you are a member of the media, RJ. You're a respected member of the MMA media. How dare you? I flagrantly and irresponsibly spread rumors when it comes to football. It's true. It's damn true. Mm-hmm. So speaking of kind of, you know, what the Raiders might do. Um, I know this is a happy week. It's a victory week. Victory but week. the whole Mark Davis has been fucking this team for multiple seasons in a row is still a thing, even though we were coming off a win, right? In a sweep of the Denver Donkeys. Uh, John Middlecoff, who... Uh, used to be an NFL scout. He's a radio host, has a podcast. I listen to him and Haberman semi-regularly because they're Bay Area guys. They're seasoned radio guys like I am. And so I kind of relate to them a little bit. Anyway, they talk and they talk West Coast the whole time. Uh, he told a story, John Middlecoff did, about how he got fired as the Raiders post-game radio guy. And it was really good insight because, you know, he was in that building, in that organization, um, Haberman was as well. And it's just an, a, a, an interesting little snapshot of how that organization is run. It's a little bit long of a clip, but trust me, it's worth it. Take a listen. I hosted Raiders post game. One time they were 0 and 10. Yeah. And I tweeted out it's and I, they're, they're, the rest of their schedule, the, the remaining six games. I said, 0 and 16 is on the table, the Chiefs, the Niners. And within 10 minutes, I get a call. I didn't pick it up, but Mark Bedane ripping me the former president of the Raiders for tweeting out that they might go oh and 16 guy they were oh and 10 their mindset is just so low level you know and that obviously Mark Bedane ended up losing a lot of money for Mark Davis by giving a bunch of money that the city of Oakland didn't even deserve just randomly to him that's not even no here nor there but we you and I were uniquely equipped to up close and personal and we just got to see the ins and outs. And we've always said, like, Mark Davis personally, like, just when you talk to him, he's very friendly and nice guy. But I also think they get very, very sensitive on their brand. And it's one thing to, like, your team has just historically sucked in my adult life. It can just always suck. So people aren't taking unnecessary shots when you stink. This is interesting to me. Because in hindsight, that story is even deeper because like you just mentioned the former president mark bedane that can because he was paying oakland more taxes than they owed like he was shitting the bed on the most important jobs of a team president but he was still petty enough to come down on a radio local radio guy who does post game because he tweeted how you are on a owen 10 run right now like you're literally you're in week 11 and you haven't won a game and that does feel like the kind of petty mon pa organization that we think is going on from the outside looking in and not the and not that like big time people can't be petty as well right like presidents of the united states fortune 500 ceos multi-billionaires they can be petty too 
But when you're winning at stuff, you have time to be petty. When you're shitting the bed, like Mark Davis and Badane have been doing, you like being petty seems like a waste of time. We should be focused on other stuff. That makes sense. Um, I disagree. I, I I wouldn't call it being petty. I would calling it having standards of how you represent the team that's paying you. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that you would be very long for this world if you started. Um, let's say openly on your Twitter account, bashing Dana White for paying, not paying UFC fighters enough. Now, uh, let me stop you there. I don't know exactly what Middlecoff's tweet was, right? He's describing it as basically like, all right, you're 0-10. Are the Raiders going to go 0-16? Here's the next six games. If that's as innocent as he makes it sound, that sounds like actual radio discussion. Like, yeah, no, you, you that is RJ, you know this. You you have to find a positive spin on things. You can't put out there that your team can go 0 and 16. You cannot you you are gonna make the franchise look even worse to other franchises and the fans of other franchises. You're gonna make the team look even worse than they already do. By allowing that to happen, you cannot have that, especially somebody who was paid by the team. You, you have, have to put a positive spin on it. That's you not have a petty. Job. You have a job as a radio host to engage your audience, get ratings, and you also and are paid right? by a, a company. So when I went when I went to um, Giants Raiders last season at MetLife, right? I went I went to the I went to the Giants game at Giant Stadium, right? Mm-hmm. The Giants were like two and five or something at the time. I don't, I don't remember. Terrible record, right? They were wrong, right? And as I was leaving, their actual Giants post-game show was blaring on the loudspeakers. Like they, they play it as you're leaving the stadium on the speakers. And the host was talking about, yeah, you know, that was the best win of the season so far. Certainly not a lot of greats. So that doesn't say a lot because this team's been absolutely terrible this season. So having this be the best, you know, best win of the season, you know, doesn't not a lot of lot lot to pick from, right? I was like, oh yeah, he's like bashing how bad they've been this season because they were two and five or whatever it was. If it's exactly what Middlecoff said, and you're zero and ten, zero and ten, like last in the league, atrocious, and you simply tweet, these are our next six games. How you know are, is this team going to go winless? That does again, that doesn't feel like unfair bashing, right? It's not like it's in August and they're like, all right, this team's gonna go 0 16, right? It's like, no, you're 0 10 and you're facing the real possibility of being the second winless team in NFL history. And to bring that up, and I and I cut it off for for time, um, because Middlecoff went off for another like minute, but he brought another good point. It's like, it's not like people go after the Raiders for sucking specifically like, Oh, let's go after the, like he used the example, like the Browns, like people don't show the Browns because they have anything against the Browns. Just they've sucked for 20 years. Like that's why like they're, they're a punchline. Like they're, that's what it is. The Raiders, since I've been a teenager since 2002, have been terrible. And like, those are the facts. Like 
that's the reality. So let's deal in reality and talk about it, right? And again, Middlecoff could have, he could be lying and could have made it much more vicious and much more underhanded and much more insulting. And it makes me look like an idiot. But if he did tweet what he said he tweeted in just simply that fashion, you're 0-10, worst team in the league. Are we going to go 0-16? That is a valid and engaging radio conversation to have as a host when you're 0-10. And to me, a team president or, or owner should be saying, yeah, we're, we're that bad. We should be taking, they should be taking responsibility for being 0 and 10. And instead, they're playing whack a mole with media members that are acknowledging that they're 0 and 10. So I will start from the what you, the latest thing you said and work backwards. Okay. He didn't just acknowledge that they were 0 and 10. He put out there basically the likelihood that they would go 0 and 16. That's what it had. That's how it was framed. Mm-hmm. And so the owner of the gym where I work, when I help, where I imagine I help coach, he, um, we were going through some rough times when we first opened the gym and stuff like that. And I told him, man, there is too many people out there in this world against you for you to be against yourself. Mm-hmm. And this negative self-talk about a member of the organization, Right. Just can't happen. It can't happen. You can't have that out there. So when we talk about a story, there's going to be. Isn't that insulting to your fans? No, it's not because it's how you frame it, RJ. It's how you frame it, RJ. You're supposed to, as a member of of this team, of the organization, you're supposed to inspire some reason for them to want to keep listening and want to keep watching and want to keep being a fan. You don't just celebrate the fact that they're winless and that they can go winless the entire season. Isn't that right? Isn't that right, Razor? It's actually, it's a genuinely good, engaging conversation. If you're a member of the general media, yes. If you're paid by that team, that is a big no-no. You don't do that, RJ. You know better than that. There is no way you do that. Okay, then you know what? Then you know what? The next time you're on talking about MMA, bash the UFC about how they pay their fighters and see how far that gets you. Completely different for multiple no, reasons. No, it's I'll tell you it, dude. I'll I'm tell you telling why. you right now, RJ. I'll be happy look, to tell you, you why. You, you can flip this around any way you want. The, the 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 baseline is the same. You're bashing the organization that pays you. Is You're it, making no, no, no. them look in a That's worse not bashing. light. It's not bashing. That is a fair question. It's a fair question. You're 0 and 10. RJ, you're drawing attention. Are you going to gonna get a win the last six? Games? How many 0 and 16 teams have there been in the league? The chances are you're going to get somebody. Okay, and that's what he was asking. No, he was not asking that. He's like, oh, look, first off, there's Milkoff's side of the story, which is always going to be shaded towards him. If you talk to Dane, it's going to be his side of the story. And then there's the truth in the middle. So I'm telling you right now, it wasn't just I literally started this conversation with, I'm going off of what Middlecoff is saying. It could be way worse. Even then, you don't bring attention to that like that, dude. You just can't do it. You can't. And the fact that Bedane sucked at his job has nothing to do with the fact that Middlecoff shouldn't have said what he said. It is a very fair question. And it is good radio to have that conversation. And it is very and 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 to his greater point. Not if point, you're a member of that organization. To his greater point, the Raiders have been terrible for 20 years, right? And that is 
Mark, more Mark Medane's fault than it is John Middlecoff's. It's more Mark That's, Davis's You're bringing fault in different things. You're, you're, bringing the distraction. you're bringing the distraction in here. No, there's again. multiple layers to this conversation. Not the and this is one layers. of them. This is the issue that was at hand. You don't bring more negative attention to an organization that pays you. You just don't do it. Okay. Agree to disagree. Now let's move on to the other layer of this conversation. Let's disagree. So let's, let's go on the other layer of this conversation. Mark Bedane and Mark Davis are a thousand times, a 10 million times more responsible for the Raiders sucking than Middlecoff, right? And that's and like how that's their focus. How they're just so it's good to be protective of your brand. It's a good thing. It's a good quality. You're a protective of your brand. But to be protective in a way that's more censorship than action makes you look rinky dink. Right? It's like you are unable to do the taxes correctly for this organization, and it's eventually going to get you fired. But boy, are you following Twitter for random people asking questions about your record? That's a bad sign. And it, that definitely makes you look rinky dink. It's not a random person. It's a person that is employed by the organization. Okay. So let's just be fair about this. Okay. There's hundreds okay. of people employed by the organization, but that's one of them. Okay. Again, but he is a, a, a member of the organization that is charged with connecting with the, its fan base. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's huge. All right. And um, you already have a fan base. If he's a, if he's doing the post game shows, that people that follow him know him from the post game shows and they're 0 and 10. They're already a little bit, oh man, they're already a little pissed off when they listen to this guy. And then he's going to tweet out something like that. Look, man, it's just not a good look. It's not a good look for the facing of the brand. I understand what you're saying organizationally. Lincoln Kennedy comes down on the organizations semi consistently when he does color on the radio. Semi consistently. It's like, oh, I'm absolutely disgusted by this play, I'm disgusted by the coach, you know. And that's been that way for years, right? I there's a place for there's a you, different you way. There's a different way to frame this, RJ. There's a different way to frame it. Look, the team is 0 and 10 off the top of my head. The team is 0 and 10 right now. Um, I it's rare that teams go 0 and 16. So let's find a win in these next six games. There's a different way you can frame it. You don't have to frame it. The and that might have been that might have been how he framed it. I I again I don't that's have not how he said it. Well, he said it was like, or is the team going to go 0-16? But regardless, my point is, I'd, I'd rather not be insulted by mouthpieces of an organization. You can be honest and still be true to the job. At 0-10. Was I being honest with what I said? Yeah, that worked. Like that, exactly. That's, Again, that's, there is that's a, a way that's you a radio can, conversation. There's a way you can frame things that doesn't come out negative. But at I'm 0 and 10, you have a right to be negative. Again, there's so there's too many people against you for you to be against yourself. And for a member of your organization to be against, to be say this type of negative stuff, it just you can't have it, man. I don't think you can have it. There needs to be a level of truth to it. As and well, what I said was right? true too. It's just the way that you frame it. I just don't want to be insulted. By I wasn't insulting like, you. I wasn't insulting you. We're oh, we're oh in ten. Let's put let's, let's you know let's put some hot sauce on this on this shit pile and eat it like it's a steak. It's like, dude, are, are, am I celebrating going one in fifteen or two and fourteen, whatever we went that year? No, I'm not celebrating that. What I'm saying is, hey, the, the irony is they went three and three. Dan, yeah, right. Remember that? You remember that season? It was oh, that was was that Carr's rookie 
year. It was Carr's rookie year. Right? 0 and 10. Getting we had like the, the worst rushing oh, no, 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 attack a, a in like NFL history. Yeah. And uh and then it was that Thursday night we beat the Chiefs to 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 go one and ten and end up ended up being you know three and thirteen. That's the irony of the whole conversation. Hey, maybe that's what spurred them on to go five hundred the rest of the season. Right. Uh, Middlecoff put the tweet out and they Jeff Middlecoff, you little right? bitch. Maybe he was putting bulletin board material out for the team and he took one for the team. He's like, Hey, I'll get fired for do for being Listen. negative because we're gonna go three and three to close out the I, season, and go five hundred. I have a plan, people. <laughs> Uh, you ready to do some what up winbacks? Uh, yes, but before we do, I put my thinking cap on. Where do you lower third? Oh, wait, what's happening? He's taking off his headset. Look at that bald head. Wait, what's he got? Is that a bomber hat? What? Is that a Raiders bomber hat that I'm seeing? Yeah, it looks, it looks like a like a helmet. Bomber hat helmet. That looks comfy as shit. It's fucking comfy. It is. That's one of those hats where you're you're glad that you're bald because then every single tiny nerve in your, in your scalp, oh, it's like so nice comfy. rubbing softness. It feels really good. That's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. I like it. Uh, we're doing, uh, we're doing four today. I think okay. maybe the first time ever, because there was one I really wanted to get in. Right. Uh, Southern Oregon reps. Josh McDaniels was the biggest winner. MVP probably have to be Jacobs. Not a running attack. DC looks like DC. When Josh is a threat, he only has to make a couple of throws and not F up. Uh, so yeah, obviously a running attack helps the passing game. Passing game helps the running attack. It's we got that beautiful mixture on Sunday. But curious about that first sentence. Was the biggest winner on Sunday, Josh McDaniels? I think the biggest winner was, and not to not to sound like funny or anything, but the biggest winner was the Raiders organization because they're stuck with Josh McDaniels. I think at least until the end of next season. I agree. Uh, so showing this type of resolve and having this type of success after having such a poor showing your previous time out is not only good for McDaniels, but it's good for Davis. It's good for Ziegler. It's good for the team. It's good for everybody because it's like, okay, now that we hit that rock bottom point, let's make this shit work for us. Let's keep on grinding and let's make it work for us. And it showed. Well, there's still uh, rock bottom can still be found. So to remember just how bad the Broncos are, but it, you're right. But it could be the opposite, right? This could be a spark where things start clicking again. It's not, you know, I'm not saying we win the next nine games in a row and we're in the playoffs. I'm just saying the reason why I've been anti-tanking this whole season was let's get this team to click. Let's get these guys to figure each other out. Let's figure out Patrick Graham's system, Josh McDaniel's system, see who's here for the long term. you know, see what we got under the hood. Like, these are those kind of games that kind of figure that out. I, I don't know how big he is of a winner because, like he's because, like you said, he's not getting fired this season. Even if he wins or loses every game from here on out, he's not getting fired. No. But it could be his big win if that locker room starts to maybe buy into J JMD a little bit more. Maybe that could be that could be the big win. Well, the thing is, too, is the way they want too. It's like it's it's how they want to play. Dink and dunk, and then you make them pay when they give you the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's it. That's how we got to do it. Actually, we'll just do, we only need to do three. Uh, TD Sly. We have one of the highest type of possessions in the NFL. So how do we not keep the ball? I'm assuming he means time of possession. Probably. Type of, it sounds like a, you know, typo. So uh, I looked it up. 
Um, the Raiders are 20th in time of possession this season. 29 minutes, 33 seconds. And this is just in regulation, right? So, like, mm-hmm. overtime stuff doesn't count. So, that's only 27 seconds left than, like, 50-50. Which, with our style of off, So, I, that, that made me kind of realize, like, wow, I thought we had a much better time of possession than that. The way our offense works, right? Run the ball, short passes. We'll go beat deep when we need to. We'll do... We have, we have big plays in our back pocket, but it's mostly... Uh, running overs to Devonte, you know, Josh Jacobs up the middle. Like that's our style. Like, Oh, we should, you know why? Cause the defense is so bad. The defense is so terrible that even with this style of offense that moves the ball really, really well, still bad in the red zone, right? We're still not getting the same number of points that we need, but this is an offense that moves the ball really well. And I think we talked about it in the post game show on Sunday. I think that's Josh McDaniels by design to make it a slow and steady type offense to try to keep the defense off the field. I've never understood that. I've never understood that thought process. It should always be get as many points on the board as possible. And maybe the way to get the most points on the board as possible is to be running the ball, short passes. Maybe that's, you know, maybe that's your most efficient offense. Mm -hmm. But if you get three positions, you know, if you both get three possessions a game or 30 possessions a game, all that matters is how many of those possessions turn into points. It, you know, it doesn't matter how what, what that what number of possessions is because it's the same for both teams. Mm-hmm. We get the ball, you get the ball. We get the ball, you get the ball. We get the ball. But the offense never gets the ball three times in a row, right? Unless it's like a you know an onside kick or something, right? It's like one side gets the ball, the other one person does. Get as many points on the board as possible. Like, have that be the entire focus. What's the best way to score the most points? And if we score a touchdown in 10 seconds or 10 minutes, whatever the most efficient way to do it is how you should do it. And that's that's what this offense does. This, this offense, uh, it puts pressure on the defense to make them uh, show their hand a little bit. And that's when you see those long passes. So even though we are a move the ball down the field type of offense, there's always a deep, a deep shot cooked into these plays that you always see somebody going deep. And you know that the numbers just show, I mean, the numbers aren't exactly what we think they are. Like where, where do you think we are at a drop and drop rate as far as percentage wise, like in, in, in the league, what, what number are we in drop drop rate? Uh, Probably pretty good. Right, I, yeah, I, I couldn't even guess the number. We're the last time I checked was we're fourteenth in the league. Oh, so just average, average, right? So when people want to talk, oh well, the, oh, the, Devontae the and Waller have had some pretty. You're, I think it's the, the, the the drops have been he, at terrible times, but it's not. There's never a good time cool. for a drop, but it's it's we're we're average, and where are we at pressure rate? What do you think pressure rate? Uh, how how often our offensive line gives up pressures to, on the quarterback? Where are we? As of two games ago, we were like top eight or something. We're 15th. 15th? We're 15th so that means the last two games. That mean, Yeah, that makes some sense. The last two games, the pass protection has been really good. Because before that, we so were So it's like, like yeah, you want to you talk you, you want to talk about, I mean, you know, when you always say, oh, Derek Carr is running for his life. Like, not really. Like, it's, let's just look, take a look at the numbers. Well, again, we were like sixth say. in pressure rate two games ago. Okay, so la- last week, our, our pressure rate for the season is, is not is – like 58 percent 
something like that. Uh, or no, that that was our 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 non-pressured rate. So the, I think it's like 61 percent. Uh, and last game it was one percent. The running the running game. So, and that's a good defense that we did it against too. So, the, these guys and no, no Colton Miller. Uh, he's not running for his life the way we think he is. I would say this was Josh McDaniels' best game as a play caller by far. Um, as a play caller, coach in general, um, no Colton Miller and the offensive line held their own. Like you said, against you can make a case the best defensive football. Yeah, he had he, um, he had a clean pocket seventy one percent of the time. That's great. That's great. The way they set up that uh, that last Devonte Adams touchdown, um, the our boys at tape don't lie broke it down how that was a play in like the second quarter. That uh, that Devonte Adams like over that he like fell when he caught it like for whatever reason he just fell down and, like hurt himself that could have been maybe a touchdown but he just fell. Um, that was the exact same play except instead of running that over, he ran. Post I mean, when he when he when he adjusted his body to catch the ball and he he fell because of it. That one when it was like a perfect pass. Stop, RJ! Please stop! Oh, please Louis. stop, RJ! Even the so you're trying to put that on car. Even the commentators, even the commentators said if the ball was thrown a little bit more in front of him, he could have ran after it. Come on, man! He could have ran. He could have ran the way it was thrown. That's just he's RJ, the best stop, wide receiver man, in football. Stop, RJ! Please. Best wide receiver in football, and he he's gonna just fall down because he wanted to. Okay, yeah, stop exactly. It. Stop it! Stop, dude! Oh, uh, Carlos and Fuego. You tell me what he means by this. Mm-hmm. My Raiders buddy, Soto, I share you windbags with my girlfriend. Always here for you. Raider Nation for life. He knows I'm, I'm needing some strange. That's I was going to say, do we get to tag team up. his girlfriend? Listen, man, I don't mind doing a, a doing a Texas Tornado you know, tag team match. I, I'm all right with it. I watch a lot of Lucha, Lucha Libre, so I know about the tornado rules. So I was in Paris just a few months ago, and I did visit the Eiffel Tower, but I've never actually Eiffel Towered a girl. Hmm. What about a wobbly H? I don't know what that one is. It's an Eiffel Tower, but you don't touch the top. You just kind of like do make a wobbly <laughs> H. <laughs> See, my balance isn't that good. I need the full Eiffel Tower. So um, tornado rules in tag team wrestling okay. is – as as long as a a, a a a wrestler gets thrown out of the ring, his teammate can come in even when there's no tag. Got it. That's tornado rules. So so if let, let, let's say let's say Carlos is getting his in and he falls off the bed, then I just jump in like I'm good. I don't have to tag. So does the chick kick the dude out of the bed and then the next guy jumps in? So she's like, all right, I'm over with I'm over this guy. If I can get him off of me, I can start getting plowed by Carlos and Fuego. Or Soto? I mean, we have to, you know, respectfully, of course, we have to get those ground rules out yeah. ahead of time. Needs to be at least a referee involved. Keep things in That's line. too many bodies. There's too many people involved. There's always my Raiders many. buddy Soto, I share you windbags with my girlfriend. Look, Carlos is my, my boy, dude. He's always commenting. He's always really positive. I think he said he shares us, like he shares our podcast with his girlfriend. Like they watch it together or they listen to it together. I, I, I'm sure she's a lovely lady, and my apologies to her. I Where's share you with with my girlfriend. Makes it almost sound like we're his, but his girlfriend wants some, 
And so he's sharing his property, which is us, the windbags, with his girlfriend. Which makes sense. I'm sure she is a striking young lady. And she's with a Raider fan named Carlos, so she's A-OK with me. As long as you wear that bomber hat. I'm trying to fall asleep right now because it's so comfy. All right, well, you can fall asleep because we're all wrapped up here. Um, Again, a uh, rare Wednesday release of the Autumn Windbags. We'll probably do this, I think, moving forward because, you know, Thanksgiving. We don't want you guys, you know, we want to make sure we get it, you know, get you guys' your show in there before uh, Turkey Day. So we're happy to do that. But that just gives us more time over the week. Um, We still got to break down the Seattle game coming up on Sunday. And any other breaking news that may happen from here to then. But until then, y'all come whatever you're with me.